And the scripture goes as such. Bless those who persecute you. Don't curse them. Pray that God will bless them. Yeah, that's where we're starting today. Be happy with those who are happy and weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with each other. And don't be too proud to enjoy the company of ordinary people. And don't think you know it all. Never pay back evil with more evil. Do things in such a way that everyone can see you are honorable. Do all that you can to live in peace with everyone. Dear friends, never take revenge. Leave that to the righteous anger of God. For the scriptures say, I will take revenge. I will pay them back, says the Lord. Instead, if your enemies are hungry, feed them. If they are thirsty, give them something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals of shame on their heads. Don't let evil conquer you, but conquer evil by doing good. Amen. And as you're taking your seats, help me introduce the title for today's message. Say, a community, a community. Impacting, the world. impacting the world. For some of you, you are well aware that we have been in a series entitled, This Is Us, as we've been talking about what it looks like and what it means for a manual to be communi community. In fact, we've been talking through our vision statement. And I'll say it again, I want you to know it so well that you will be able to say it in your sleep. You'll wake up and somebody asks you, what is the vision of Emmanuel? And you will just rattle right off. It's a community of Christ followers who are transformed, right, right, transformed by the word, inspired by love, who are impacting the world. I'll say it again slower because I want you to get it. That our vision is that we are a community of Christ followers being transformed by the word, inspired by love, impacting the world. We have slowly but surely walked through each of uh, kind of like the, the facets of this and we're closing out now with what does it mean to impact the world? And as you can see, Romans 12 really is a uh, kind of like our vision statement scripture. It is the way in which we've been embodying and trying our best to understand what God has for us. That God, number one, wants us to be community. That as much as your personal salvation is important, God has not called you to just be an individual. You are not an island in and of yourself. But God has called us to be his people, a connected people. In fact, the gifting and the way that God has dealt out gifting makes sure that none of us has all of it so that we will always be interdependent upon one another, meaning that we're stronger together, we're better together, and we can accomplish more of what God desires for us together. So we're called to be community. 
We're also called to be a community of Christ followers. We're not just getting together because we want to get together, right? We're not getting together. This isn't CrossFit, although I encourage for those of you that want to do that together, go ahead. Uh, this is not, um, what's, the, what's, the new, what's the new game? It's, uh, it's not tennis, it's like, it's, but it's like full body t- ping pong, pickleball. Some of y'all play pickleball. Any pickleball players here? Yeah, yeah. We can play pickleball together, but that's not the reason that we come together, right? Uh, You may love reading, and we may have wonderful groups that read books together, but we're not a community that's brought together just because we read books. We're a community that is brought together because we follow Christ. And how we do that together may take a variety of different views and ways, but that's what our goal is, consistently. We are trying to follow Christ. And in doing so, we allow the word of God to transform us. I want you to know that we believe in the Bible. We believe in the way that the Bible is meant to help to clarify how we are to live. And that doesn't mean that, we, that, the, Bible is, uh, that the Bible says everything to every single specific situation. However, it gives us guidelines and principles to help us to deal with new situations. So... The Bible, of course, had no, no expectation for AI, right? Like the Bible's not going to say, hey, AI is this or AI is that. That's not what it's meant to do. However, it should tell us as human individuals following God how we should respond to AI or any of the other various facets of things that will come along in our life. And as we think about the word of God and as we hold to that and allow it to transform us, make us into brand new people, I want you to hear that. We actually believe that the word of God is able to make us new people, that as we're being made new, we don't stand up and above others to look down on them or to lord this transformation over them, but we are inspired by the very love of God, and that's how we interact both with each other and with individuals who are outside of our community. Thus, even the way that we use the word is meant to be moved by love and not by hatred, not by superiority, or not by trying to self-aggrandize us. And then last but not least, we come to this space and we do all of this with the expectation and the hope that we will make an impact on the world. Now, I want you all to know, I believe one of the best ways to make an impact on the world It's not thinking about the world big, like we have to run way over there. Sometimes it's by making impacts close to home that begin to reverberate out. It is us being connected and caring about what is happening in our own backyard and in our own locality so that we can be beneficial. And it's with that in mind, I believe that San Jose states that Human Rights um, Institute recently put out a report entitled The Pain Index for Silicon Valley. And in this index, they went through a variety of different things. And of course, I can't communicate the entire report. I encourage that you would look into it. I believe they even will be doing a a review of it next week at Maranatha. So for those of you that are interested, go to check. But what this does, it begins to walk through all the places and all the areas that we still see inequities and how they are moving or trending. Some inequities are gonna take decades for us to fix but it gives us hope and solace if they're moving in the right way. 
Some inequities are moving in the wrong directions. And this may be spaces that God is calling us as community of Christ followers to affect. So I'll just list a few of them that I thought to be notable. One was that in the tech sect, uh, sector, there's only 2% of Latin women or Latinas, even though in our area it's over 13%. We consistently see all of the disparities that are here. That African Americans file unemployment at 2.4 the rate of our white counterparts. And this has been consistent. Unemployment rates, even back to the March on Washington and before, have consistently been around the two, two times mark for everybody else, or at least for blacks, as it relates to whites. And it's amazing that almost 50 years later, 50 plus years later, we still sit in similar spaces, even right here in Silicon Valley that we've seen drops in reading and writing currently, that we've seen drops almost about 10% in reading and writing among students, especially in the Alum Rock School District. Well, How does this affect us if our kids now, especially after COVID, are now moving more slowly in their educational pursuits? That 16% of African Americans live in, uh, in poverty in Santa Clara and San Mateo County. This is what we consider Silicon Valley, compared to 10% for Vietnamese Americans, 9% for Latinos, 7% for Filipinos, 5% for Koreans, and 5% for uh, white, uh, white Americans, and 2% for Asian Indian. So we can still see almost double, and in some places triple, poverty rates for African-Americans here. That 28% of Silicon Valley uh, households do not earn enough money to meet their basic needs without assistance. So what does this mean for us? How should we be thinking? And even more so, 37% of students are not meeting English standards. And 48.6% of students are not meeting math standards. So, when we think about this, and, and I believe that this is important because when Paul is writing to this new community that is developing, he's trying to help them understand how to live in their current context with a variety of challenges and issues. And I believe if we were being written to today, if we were writing a, a new biblical book for those of us who are following Jesus today, right here in Silicon Valley, that we would be asked the same question. How do we deal with these insurmountable issues? How are we affecting them? What is God calling for us to do? And this is the picture that I believe we ought to paint. This is the one that should, should, should move on us and should arrest us. This should be the thing that bothers us at night and that we reach out to God for because it is a need. So Paul begins to write and First, he says this, and I'm going to kind of walk through these. He says, bless those who persecute you. Don't curse them. Pray that God will bless them. 
Now, to be clear, I, I'm not making a direct correlation. I'm not saying that all these people who, who God is telling us to bless now are the same folks uh, of the, uh, the numbers and statistics I just gave. But if you give me grace, I'm going to walk us to see how these things go well together. However, first, it is starting about the people that we are. The way that we engage those who are outside of the faith should look a certain way. And we should actually promote the ways of Christ in the world outside. And so I feel the need to say this more often because I know that many of us do not live by the creed, bless those who persecute you. In fact, we're probably far better at waging war with those who persecute us. We're just as good at persecuting those who've persecuted us as they are at persecuting us. In fact, we go through work, we go through life as a way of trying to do this. In fact, we've done it so much, we start to bring that same thing back into the community of Christ. And we persecute the folks inside the church just as much as folks have been persecuted outside. And scripture says, that's not what I'm calling out of you. And I want you to hear this because this is radically different than anything we have actually seen lived regularly. It says, bless, speak well, ask God to do good for the individuals who have hurt and harmed you. You know, this is a time in the sermon where, you know, you can kind of lift up your own self. And so, so look at what I do. We're not going to do that today because I ain't living that part. Because I too struggle. Man, how much does it hurt when somebody has done you wrong? And then your response is not just first, God stopped them from doing it for me. But God blessed them. And, and this, is, this, is, this is one of the reasons why, because when we really go through this, what, what Paul is raising up is he's creating the possibility for people who once did not agree to be brought into the fold. And it's hard for us to say that we want any and everyone to come to Christ if we're willing to kill them before they ever get to Jesus. So, if there's any point of reconciliation, or maybe not reconciliation, maybe just conciliation for the first time, we have to be willing to do the work. We have to be willing to love them, care for them, that we should be exporting this out of the Christian community. This is what that should look like. He says, now, be happy with those who are happy. I mentioned this last week. Sometimes we, we get to the point where we just hate on other folks who hate on us. But no, no, no. Be happy with those who are happy. If God is blessing them, don't start the conversation about how come you ain't blessed. Have you ever been around the people that no matter how much you're trying to tell them about what God is doing in your life, some kind of way it kind of turns and it shifts to be about what's happening in their life? How about we could just sit in the gift and the blessing? God has blessed you. I'm thankful for your healing. 
Yes, I may need healing, but I'm not a talking about me right now. I'm thankful for your healing. I, I'm thankful for your job. Yes, I may be in need of a brand new job, but I'm going to thank God that you got one. I, I'm thankful for your relationship. And, and I know my relationship has had some problems, but I want to thank God for yours. I'm thankful for the way that God is blessing you instead of waiting for the shoe to drop so they can be just like us. The Christian community loves to live in misery loves company. Oh, we invite you to it. Oh, well, just uh, have you ever seen? (laughs) Have you ever seen like that young couple and they are so in love? And and, oh, my God, they holding hands all the time. Everything. Ooh, me and you, babe. Like they on social media. And I I feel it in my soul. Sometimes I be sitting there like this. Mm, mm, mm. (laughs) That is is so cute. Mm. Wait till life really happens, right? Or you meet the older couple and the first thing they do is shoot all that down. Well, you know, y'all just in the honeymoon stage. Y'all ain't got real yet. Y'all ain't been through nothing yet. Tell me you still smiling in seven to 10 years. See if you're still there. Like, you know, some of those people, (laughs) I'll say this and I I won't put a tag on who, but I've met people who've been married like 40 and 50 years. And you can't even tell they married. Like, I don't ever see them together. <laughs> they are like, they have perfected being like individuals in the same house together. Like how, anyway, that's a, a marriage sermon. I'm gonna come back. But the goal was, the idea was, how do we be happy with uh, others and literally others outside? Meaning that we recognize that everything of the outside world, those who are not a part of the face, may not be good, but we also recognize that everything out there ain't bad either. Help me, help me, help me. In my tutelage for Christian faith, it has always been so adversarial that it's made it hard for me sometimes to understand how can we see good of things that are not part of the faith. And I almost felt as if I saw something good outside of the faith, I was living in a way that was compromising to the faith. As if the God that we serve is only the God of our faith. We will come into our worship service and say you are God of the universe the creator of all things. And then we act as if creator of all things is all things in the church. Therefore, there are pieces and parts of God's presence that are still available outside of the church. And we would hope that they would be. Because if they weren't, then the people out there would never know that there was a God that is actually in here that they should want to come and serve. And so there is great stuff that is out there, but that doesn't mean that everything out there is great. So we can glory and be happy with individuals for good things that are happening out there. That's what our impact should be. But we should also weep when other people weep. Our hearts should be broken when we hear statistics about our local area, when we know that housing, uh, employment and wealth gap and education are some of the top three issues in our area, 
When parents have to navigate how much money are they willing to spend so that their kids can get educated right when they're already challenged by being able to afford to live in our area. When many of you are moving further and further away, like we have so many that live beyond 30 and 40 miles that still go to our church because we can't afford to live in the cities that we work in. And then we wonder, how does that affect community? Because you know just to get here, you start counting how much gas you have to spend to get to church. As soon as you get to church, if somebody look at you funny, you ready to fight because you don't know. It took me an hour and 15 minutes this morning just to get here. And it affects us. And it affects church community because y'all don't show up during the middle of the week. Have you wondered why Emmanuel doesn't do like an in-person Wednesday Bible study? Have you ever wondered that? Anybody? Anybody just thought about it? I can tell you, because y'all don't show up. <laughs> we are going to be doing an online version because we still want to have that available. But you all don't show up, and sometimes for good reason. Because you're getting off work. And traffic is terrible. And don't have children. It's a lot that's going on, but these are the challenges. So then if we're trying to build community, if we're trying to make sure we can do what God is calling us to do, we can't act like these aren't real realities. So I'm blown away when some people come to church. I'm, I, when I see you, I'm like, man, they love Jesus for real. Because I would be Emmanuel every day, everywhere, in a heartbeat. Like, Reverend Joe, keep doing them lives. It is amazing. He says, be happy with those who are happy. Weep with those who weep and live in harmony with each other. Watch this. And it's amazing how this almost doesn't even sound like the Christianity that we know, right? Don't be too proud to enjoy the company of ordinary people. And, and this is not to be like denigrating. This is not to say that there are some people who are extraordinary, but this is meant to say we recognize that there are individuals who have a whole bunch, but the Christian community shouldn't just be oriented towards those people. They need Jesus too, and so we love them. But this means I shouldn't be scared to talk to somebody that may not have nothing, that they may not have anything to provide for me because I care just because you are. And... Don't think you know it all. I don't know what church I've been to that the people didn't act like we know it all. We have the monopoly on understandings of Jesus. We got the monopoly on what the faith looks like. We can tell you what to and what not to do because we don't enter into it humbly anymore. In fact, we've gotten to the point where we stop learning about God ourselves because we think we know it all. We think that we have exhausted an, exhaust, an inexhaustible God. We think that we figured it all out, that we've put it all together, but can I tell you every single time that I enter the scriptures, every single time I enter the community, every single time I bump into God, I can learn and experience that which I have never known. This is why God has so many names in scripture. This is why some of you have brand new names because we've come to learn God in brand new ways. And what could it look like if we came in with the humility that maybe I don't know it all? Doesn't mean that you don't know anything. It does mean that you just don't know it all. He says, don't think you know it all. 
Never pay back evil with more evil, but do things in such a way that everyone can see that you're honorable, that you're a person of integrity, that you can be trusted. Like, this is, this is our exports to the world, right? And that we do our best to live in peace with everyone. And I feel the, the kingly version coming up, and this is not the false senses of peace, which is just the absence of tension. But this is a true connection of individuals that help to lead to the well-being of another. This is peace. So if we're living in a situation where we recognize that there are groups of people being oppressed or harmed or being left out unfairly, it also becomes our Christian responsibility to step up to help, to fix, and to shift. He says, I want you to live like this. I want the world to know that this is available, and I want you to never take revenge. Don't go out there to hurt them because they hurt you. And some of us, you know, us good Christians, you know, us that have been practiced for a while, we've learned how to take revenge without it looking like revenge. <laughs> Y'all learn, because some, some, yeah, let's be, be honest, right? Like, sometimes you're like, you know, it's, it's that way out there revenge. Like, you blowing up somebody's car, right? Like, you, you didn't toast some stuff up. You didn't threw rocks in there. We don't do all that, right? But we make sure that every time they say something, we just tear down they, all their thoughts. No matter what idea they have, we're going to make sure they know it's a terrible idea. That's just a terrible idea. I mean, I just, I just want to make you better. I'm not, I'm not trying to hurt you. I just want to make this better. When the truth is, I'm responding out of the fact that you hurt me. And so I'm going through and consistently hurting you. That's revenge. It's the same thing that we do when we go to work and our boss messed up and we can give nobody grace. Have you, have you recognized that we have like the, the least gracious like community, society that we've ever been? Like, we expect perfection from everybody else, but get frustrated if anybody has any accountability at all to us. He says, you don't have to live a life like this. Don't go out there exacting revenge but that you ought to leave that up to God because God actually knows the best way to move people's hearts and you should do the things that are right for you. Now, you know, I love getting in trouble for stuff, so. Thank you. Um, So I want to walk this, I want to walk this as integrally as possible. Because Paul is talking in this space to the Christian community and far more individuals. But I think they are principles that even larger society should pick up. And of course, as we think about Israel and Hamas, I can't help but ask the questions, what does this look like? Now, I want to be honest, if somebody does something to my family, I can't tell you how I would respond. Amen. It's rough. Yeah, yeah. That's hard. But I can't just go 
to all of my neighbors' houses because somebody broke into my house and be like, since y'all ain't going to tell me who it is, I'm breaking in all of y'all houses until y'all help me find it. Like, nobody would say that that was the right thing to do. And that doesn't mean that what happened to you was right either. Right? Like, what Hamas did was terrible. And we should be able to communicate that. And I get that there's reason for why there will be a hostility, whatever, that still doesn't justify. But I can't stay on the other side that we can justify killing thousands. Is that 10,000 now? 4,000 children. And we should weep. And of course, this is the, the big media one, but there's stuff happening all over the world. There's literally genocide happening in Sudan right now. That should burden us. And then we're asked, well, what should we do if we're called to be a church that impacts the world? How do we impact that? How do we go out? How do we make a difference? And I think the last line is it. It is really one way. The only way that we can conquer evil is by not doing what evil is doing but by doing the exact opposite, that the greatest export that the church should have is exporting people who do good. The greatest witness that we can have to Jesus Christ are people that do good, that we do it as a community and you do it individually. When you show up on your jobs, when you're in your areas, we should be the people that are doing our best to do good. If not, evil wins. Every single time that we fall to the revenge, we have allowed evil to win. We've allowed another portion of our soul to be darkened. We walk with it when God is calling us to be part of the light. He's calling us to make a difference. He's calling us to go and impact the world. This is the reason why our church does the things that it does. This is why we do Operation Share. I can tell you Operation Share is a challenge. It's hard. People don't always speak English. People don't always appreciate the things that we do. And we have individuals that keep showing up every other Tuesday because they know that folks need it. And we need more people to do that. This is the reason why we have an after-school program because we're tired of watching our kids lose opportunities because nobody is willing to show up and help. This is, what we, this is why we do that. This is why we started a a whole new way of doing outreach and we're going out to shelters and we're trying to do things for the the unhoused because we recognize if it was just but one check, one eviction notice, one thing changes in our lives, that could be us. And how would we want people to respond? We want to go out and do good. This is the way that we do it. Now, I'm just going to check. Deacon Frank, were you able to grab the thing I asked for? Can you bring it to me real quick? Now, many of you know. Okay, we're just going to do the picture because it's not put together. Glory to God. So this is what they call a Newton's cradle. Have you ever heard of a Newton's cradle? Okay, of course, it's it's not opened yet. So I'm going to show you all the picture of it. Do you have the picture? Yeah, look at it on screen. Glory to God. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Now, as you all know, I love math. I love science. It's one of the things that I learned from. And the thing about the Newton's cradle is it talks about the transfer of energy, that these five balls all sit stationary 
until you move one. And if you lift one, the way that it happens is that energy transfers from the movement, the potential energy, into kinetic energy as it moves through and then it hits the next ball. But ironically, right, like that ball may not move depending on how many of the balls there. It goes out, but it sends energy straight through all of them, and the one at the end jumps up. Now, of course, this is not a perfect system. So every single time it moves, air slows it down. So energy is slowly released there. Uh, there's heat from the friction of them bumping together. Even sound changes the energy. So over time, this begins to stop. But the truth is, I think this is the, one of the best pictures of what impact for a Christian community should look like. That God should invest it in one. It should drop down and that energy should move through all the others that by the time it gets to the end, that it shoots back out there. And then that person doesn't keep it. They grab more energy as they shoot up and they come back and they move back into the community and it shoots back through them and it goes all the way back again. All of a sudden now, there's this constant bumping of us touching one another, of us connected to one another, constantly transferring the energy of us doing good. And it moves now in amazing ways. So God is calling us to do good. God has blessed us so that we can feel the energy moving for and, and through us. God has, God has provided for us in such a way that we have incredible energy stored up that it doesn't have to stop. And this is how God did it. God made sure that God gave himself for us. That God deposited the very essence of energy into us so that no matter what happens, what frictions the world brings up, what issues may arise, there is enough energy to keep us driving. And sometimes I know it gets hard. Sometimes I know we, we begin to peter out but that's when we come back to the sanctuary. Did you know that's, that's what worship actually was for? That this really isn't us doing church. This is us being re-energized to go back and do church. So that when we come in here, we can be filled up. When we come in here, we can be re-energized. When we come in here, we can be inspired. When we come in here, we can be around the presence of God. When we come in here, we can feel some more community members. When we come in here, we can see things in a brand new way. When we come in here, something amazing happens. So now we leave out with stored up energy and then we go back into the community and we begin to bump into each other doing amazing things so that God can get the glory from our lives. That's what it is called to be. And that's how we transform, that's how, well, that's how we impact the world all around us. So I want to call you into this community. I want to invite you into this uh, amazing way of living. And I want to do it because God has first invited you to be a part of his family. Yeah. Scripture says that, that God loved us so much. He loved the entire world so much that he gave his very own son that whoever would believe in him would not perish but would have everlasting life. That God took the first step and made the impact that transforms all of us. And that very impact is the energy that we run off to continue to impact the world. Pray with me.